it can be both. Most artists do it for selfish reasons, but when you're putting it out there for people to, you know, experience some judge, but mostly just the general experience, it adds an aspect that's not selfish anymore. It's just the nature of art. You can't help it. I don't care how money driven a creative is, at the end of the day, it still lends itself to the people because you're putting it out there for people to interpret and appreciate. That's Kendall. As a Black creative with his finger on the pulse of art, music, fashion, and culture, he curates and shares incredible artists and ideas on his website, Fresh Aesthetic. We were good friends in high school back in Houston in the early years of when we both moved to Austin after graduation. In support of Black Lives Matter and protests against police violence, I wanted to use my platform to elevate voices of color, so I reached out to my old pal, and it seemed especially appropriate to support someone who is going out of his way to support other creatives. I'm Angelica. Stay tuned for my monthly chat. Hi, Kendall. Hi, Angelica. Thanks for joining me on Chatty Crafties, a show where I celebrate my creative friends to get inspired by everyday art. It's good to see you. You as well. You as well. Oh my gosh, it's been 20 years. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely at least 20. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for doing this with me. Of course, of course, no problem. Yeah. The last episode I recorded was with um, my daughters. I let them interview me because they always want to like pretend to have these YouTube videos (laughs) that I have not allowed. And uh, I don't know, it was really sweet, but I felt like it wasn't the right climate for like, here's this sweet little video. And it was like the sweet little podcast the day before Blackout Tuesday. So I was like, I'm I'm going to put pause on this episode. And I feel like I should be thinking a little bit harder about this and maybe finding some other more appropriate voice to amplify. And that's why you came to mind. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. It's, a, it's definitely a crazy time we're in and like, you know, adapting to it and finding our place in it all yeah. is, is tricky. Yeah, it's for sure. Cool. Um, we knew each other in high school and then once we graduated Lee and Houston, we both moved up to Austin separate years. You're a a year ahead of me and hung out like the first two years or so being here. And so like, I felt like our formative years of finding out what we were into creatively really overlapped. And so I think it's really fun to catch up with you these 20 years later and see if there are still some parallels. I actually think there might be a few parallels already because (laughs) you're doing a podcast talking about creatives. I'm writing, you know, trying to shed light on creatives that I'm interested in. So there's definitely parallels already. Yes. So this is timely for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. So let's start out by doing Inspiration of the Week. I'll start... Um, I think what I'm inspired by right now is amplifying black voices and getting uncomfortable in things that I thought I was doing a pretty good job in. You know, I don't consider myself a racist. I (laughs) thought I was being anti-racist and I feel like sitting through and listening to a lot of the podcasts and articles and whatever else that I've been trying to listen to this week um is making me uncomfortable and i'm like why why is that and i think it's because i have work to do and so i wanted my we all do we yeah i i agree i mean i i feel like a lot of the the onus of the work needs to be on people who are uncomfortable talking about it and i i think that I was uncomfortable because I thought it was a given and I think it can't be a given anymore that we are. uh, It should be a given though. Right. The mm -hmm. times where you think as things progress, it should be a given, but it's not. And, but I mean, it's kind of like, I look at 2020 the way it started for me, it's been crazy to begin with, but 
it's kind of like a time for reflection. Yeah. And part of that reflection is what we're dealing with now. We have to reflect on ourselves individually as far as how we respond to the things going on around us and also ourselves as a society and a culture and the part we play in maybe perpetuating or not doing enough to shed light on it. I've been trying to, instead of have arguments with people on social media or have debates, pointless debates with people, I try to do teachable moments where you expose them to something that they didn't think about. I think that's the important part of it all. Like instead of everybody getting taken aback by it all and feeling like, you know, uh, it's, it's so out of whack and everything's crazy right now, take a breath, center yourself and just recognize the part we can play to teach people because without education it's not going to change right as much as we want to hit the streets and do that that's a that's a very important part to change but hearts and minds is another very important part and without that we won't really progress in the way it's not going to happen overnight either it's going to take generations right but hearts and minds is where it starts and i think what's difficult about it is i like what I'm reading is we shouldn't be relying on black voices to teach us, but then it's kind of a catch 22 because like, are we supposed to just talk amongst ourselves about what we could be doing better? And it's not, I feel like this dialogue has to happen between everybody. And I, I don't want to like add to the emotional burden by saying, Hey, I feel like a dumbass right now. And I feel like, I'm making missteps and not being as much of an advocate as I should have and to like rely on people of color to tell me how I should be acting differently. That's putting an emotional burden on everyone else. But, you know, just kind of finding that middle ground of like, I want to listen and I want to be better, but it's not somebody else's responsibility to do that work for me. But we are in 2020, right? We got all these ac- all this access to different information, you know, different perspectives. There's a lot of articles on Medium where people are talking about this. Uh, what was it? Neil deGrasse Tyson's uh, essay was, was very good. You know, there are people with perspectives. And I think sometimes asking questions is cool. But reading and actually doing research on your own and trying to understand a perspective gives you more of a personal uh, approach to it. Okay. Because, yes, yeah. you can ask people and talk to people, but it's also up to us as individuals. Like I said, it, we have to look within ourselves. So I, I, I'm of the belief that everybody knows or is ingrained with a level of what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. And I think that in that whole, you know, universal idea, you can kind of find a middle ground and say, hey, there are aspects that I understand where you're coming from. Maybe there are things I need to learn. But then reading these articles and doing independent research, maybe you learn how to approach it differently. Because mm. everybody, every person is not going to react to it the same. It's kind of like when we were growing up in school, you had kids who would respond to different things in an aggressive way. And then there were kids who would respond to it in a way of wanting to have a dialogue. It's you, you have to understand who you're dealing with because not everybody wants to have a dialogue. Not yeah. everybody on either, on either side of it. And that's the tricky part because there are folks on either side that feel like, either it's too late to have a dialogue or they just outright don't want to. And that could be ignorance or whatever, but it's tricky. So that's why I think not relying on black voices, but at the same time you have to, because how are you going to gain insight into the perspective? So yeah, education really is the key, like taking time on your own to look into it and not having to ask so-and-so about it. Now, if there are questions like about certain movements and people want to know them by all means, but using only people's input as far as asking someone personally about it is not enough there's there's decades of perspective that people have that you can look at that i think gives more of an idea of the history of because speaking to somebody now you may only get the idea of what they're dealing with now there's generations behind it you know what i mean like i said it's going to take generations to fix it took generations to instill these things in our society so it's a, it's, a, it's a tricky thing, and I, I just think it's going to take growth. And I think your approach of trying to learn and look within yourself is probably the most productive way to go about it. Okay. I appreciate that. And I, mm-hmm. I really I like that idea that, um, you know, assuming the one person you're talking to is going to represent everyone 
in a culture is like the problem, right? <laughs> like that, that one voice isn't everyone. Um, and I, I think everybody kind of like coming to their own therapy in this, you know, like working through whatever issues are <sighs> keeping them tied up in whatever mentality they have. Like I think about the therapy that I'm doing right now and like at the end of a session, because we're doing telehealth with my therapist, I'll be yeah. like, oh, by the way, we didn't talk about this one thing I know I need to talk about. And she's like, mm, I was wondering if you were going to bring it up. And so, like, <laughs> I know there are items I need to to work on. And, like, even though it's, like, right in front of me, I'm like, I'm not ready yet, but I'll get there. I'll, I'll get yeah. ready. And I feel mm -hmm. like having that patience, even though a lot of people are way out of patience and understandably so, I think it's... But that's not how you... Just because you're out of patience... We have kids, right? So when you're dealing with children, not to relate adults to children, but at the same time, there's similarities, right? So everybody is not going to be on your level willing to do certain things. People are going to be in different phases in life going through different things. Yeah. So when you're an adult and you're fed up, your kids are doing stuff, acting out of whack, and you're trying to get it together, does lashing out do anything really productive? <laughs> right. <laughs> nine, nine times out of ten, no. Not so it's really. like... We're adults, so we should see that lashing out and doing crazy things is not the thing. Uh, what's it? Calmer minds prevail or level heads prevail? Yeah, is that what something. Uh-huh. I know and what you're that, saying. That should be the ultimate goal because when people do things that are based off solely emotion, nine times out of ten, aside from creative expression, it's looked at with a certain level of ridicule because you're not thinking about the bigger picture yeah. you're just thinking but in that moment i feel this way and it's it's a lot more complicated than that so yeah calm level head is the best way once we get all this uh aggression out of our system the next step yeah. should be how can we change it Conver dialogues conversations we've been having dialogues like this since we were kids you know what i mean we've always had a diverse group of friends so there's always been a level of having to understand cultures and things like I think in that regard we had a very unique perspective on that yeah and like an excitement to learn about other cultures you Agreed. know like a, a res yeah. not just even like a respect for it but it's like I, tell me more I, I don't know anything about this give me it was fascinating yeah it still is yeah um well you had a really nice segue there about talking about creative expression because i feel like there's going to be a lot of creative expression coming from this how people are absorbing what they need to do and the work they need to do and what people of color are going to react to this time as well like there's there's got to be a way to um let the air out of the balloon instead of it always popping. Um, and, and I think that doing something creative is the perfect way to do it. So you consider yourself, correct me if I'm wrong, um, you consider yourself a curator and a creative. Um, yes. How do they feed one another? Well, I've been doing some sort of creative expression my whole life. I've been around creatives my whole life. So it's always been very heavily embedded in my everyday even in school conversations weren't on you know the books and history class it was on our favorite artists or what we were reading at the moment it was like it was different so in that regard i have a different perspective because i come from a creative the the root of somebody who created oh um from music to visual art you know i dabbled in collages and stuff but it was never really a, a super focused but it was a passion of mine and so having come from the roots of musicians and people who thrive and survive off of their art i felt like once i got to a certain age and once i got to a point where i really wasn't going to do any music or anything on my own because i feel like music's a young man's game hmm. i was talking with a best friend of mine and uh we were talking about a way to kind of still be able to express ourselves creatively but be still handled domestic life right so i was like man the best way to do that would be create a website a blog whatever you want to call it to be able to highlight artists that we come across or i come across so that it would allow me to still be able to have my passion in art creative expression but also 
lend my abilities as far as what I feel like I can do as writing to shed light on artists that people might might sleep on. Right. Like I've had the the, the blessing and uh, the ability to like reach out to people from different countries. So there's people that I'm doing a part doing a part to expose them to people here. You know what I mean? It's small, it's simple right now, but the idea is to grow and be able to shed light on creators and just the whole process because I think there's a romanticized side of it, right? It's just you know we're the creative and it's this, it's it's living in the moment. It's it's all those things. It really is, but it's also a lot of work. It's also a lot of growth. It's a journey, right? We don't all start at the beginning being these super talented people. We grow, we we learn who we are, we change. So I think it's important to kind of play a part in documenting those steps for creators. So I feel like what I do is maybe I capture a moment, like a fate, a point in that creator's life, that artist, whoever, like I want to start expounding more on just visual art as far as who I document on the website. But yeah, the idea was just to shed light on people that I felt like may be getting slept on that were really talented. So we've seen that our whole lives, like very talented people who just somehow, you know, life happens. They don't end up pursuing it like they wanted to. So these people are. So the least I can do is, you know, support them for fighting a good fight. Right. And you do like Q&As with artists. I, I read a handful of them today. Um, yeah, I do uh, interviews as well. And those just turn into general articles. Like I'll just kind of listen to the interview and use that as an inspiration to write an article. But, yeah, I, I like the Q&As. The Q&As allow you to kind of hear from directly from the artist's mouth what they're doing how they feel so So, are they always recorded then like similar to a podcast that you were doing or do you send an email sometimes yes and then they reply back when they're in other countries it's usually an email okay i'll talk to them you know we'll converse back and forth on you know instagram whatever messaging i use we'll come converse and talk like that and then i'll you know say hey i'm gonna reach out to you i'll send you these questions and we'll go from there. And it's just off of conversations back and forth, emails, you get an idea about the person and their work. And ultimately the goal is to highlight them. So as long as you learn enough to really be able to capture them in a respectable way, mm-hmm. I think that's the ultimate goal. It's just paying homage and respect to creators. So you were doing a podcast under the same name, Fresh Aesthetic, or is it a different? It was the Culture Fresh podcast is what I called it, but it was all under the fresh aesthetic blanket or whatever but yeah i was doing it for a bit got kind of unhappy with the direction it was going and i think i deleted all but one Uh interview yeah i listened to that one today (laughs) the fresh beats he's he's a real cool guy doing he's i think he teaches but he's a real like he's on his journey of of really exploring and uh understanding what he's capable of in the creative space Uh as far as educating people on growing your own produce, plant-based lifestyle, and things like that. So why did that one make the cut, but all of the other ones didn't? It was an interview. The A lot of the other ones, because just of how life was going, were just me talking. Oh. I didn't want it to primarily be podcasts of just dialogue. Uh-huh. I wanted it to be an actual conversation back and forth. So I'm kind of going back to the drawing board, kind of, figuring out a format of how I want to produce it and talk to people, you know, to have a format to where it doesn't go completely off the rails, but allow enough leeway to where you can have a talk and stuff. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm feeling it out, but it's, it's going to happen this year for sure. Oh, good. When did you start it? I was trying to like track it. I, cause I got rid of all this stuff. I started it January of 2019, I think is when I first downloaded the anchor app. Okay. Okay. January 2019 is when I started doing it, I think. And it was fun. It was cool. And I liked, you know, I try to be utilitarian about how I do my work. So I do a lot of it mobile. Mm-hmm. And uh, this allows you to do podcasts from your phone and this and that. And the deeper I get into it, the more I learn, like, you need you need equipment. Like, it's cool to do it from your phone, but professionalism, quality, all that good stuff. You need some equipment. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's another thing I kind of came to the realization of. And you have the brain for that. I mean, if you're working through a website and blogging and, you know, editing those, I feel like you would be able to take 
your interview with someone and edit it into what you need to. Are you able to do that through Anchor or is it kind of like record start to finish and... Well, there are separate apps where I can go in and edit it and kind of separate it and, and piece out the WAV files. And then you can upload it as an MP3 to Anchor to where it comes out as a cohesive thing. But we live in the era of short attention spans. Yeah. That's not the key. Like even the articles I write, things like that, I have to make sure that they're a certain length so that people don't get disinterested. Yeah. Amber, when she was helping me out with this, she would just chop like, nope, nope, it needs to be you know, cleaner. I was like, Oh, but that was probably like a good, interesting piece. And she's like, Nope, it's going. And so it was like really good. We were a good pair when we were doing it together. And then once, um, our schedule was too rigorous, we were doing it weekly for the first year, which is that's a lot, a lot is too much. And you got your regular work and stuff. That's a lot. Yeah. And like two little kids. The coordinator between the both of y'all kids. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. So it like uh, about right at a year, she was like, um, I love you, but can we take a break from this? And I was like, yeah, totally. Like this is, I'm not going to make you do my creative project. It's pretty simple. Like until you get into like the detail, detail stuff overall, it's pretty simple. Like just to cut edit and stuff like that. It's pretty cut. It's pretty easy. Do you enjoy editing? Do you like the process of it? Only because of the outcome. Interesting. I really, it's I, being meticulous and having to go in and chop everything up. It's one of those necessary evils. You kind of have to do it, but the outcome makes it all worth it. Once you see it all put together mm-hmm. and it, it is conveys everything you wanted to convey. Yeah. I like, I like the editing. I like getting really? it real tight. Oh yeah. This is. Amber hated it <laughs> and she liked it for the same reason you did where she like wanted a certain the the end result is why she did it and I just I love getting it it's probably too clean taking a step back from it helps and then that because you sometimes you edit too much, too much and it's and not a natural need... conversation anymore yeah that's right yeah that's what I Very I'm probably more I'm not self-conscious about hearing my voice, strangely enough, but I get self-conscious when I'm like stuttering or too many ums and I just have to be okay with it. It's fine. Everybody does it. It's just part of it. Yeah, everybody does it. I don't like looking at myself. That's why I haven't really even tried to go into video yet. Mm -hmm. I really don't like the idea of watching myself interview someone else. Like. No, but I'm gonna have to. That's like the future of it. Like, yeah, multi-platform, you know, content is what it is now. So, and time management is important. Like, you have to set up. So, for me anyway, it's really important. Like, setting up times to really do certain things. Like, I'm I'm learning more and more. That that's really the key to being the most productive in a lot of things. Yeah, it's just being strict on time management. Oh God, I'm the worst about it. I'm too. It's a it's a learning process. I get sucked in. I get sucked into things to the point that like someone has to remind me to like eat, or you know, oh, wow. go. Eating's important, but that's really the thing. I want. There's like a podcast I follow called uh, "The Business of Hype." It's actually on Anchor. I think it's even on Spotify. But the way that it's this clothing designer named Jeff Staple, and he Staple Clothing. Their logo is like a pigeon. I don't know if any of your followers will know, but um. The way he does it is he'll have the conversation, but he'll have highlights of the conversation and then he'll transition into different highlights of the conversation by kind of speaking on the previous conversation and going directly into the next one. So these transitions are cool. It's not just like completely talking. It's almost Uh edited out. Uh I I like that. So I think that's the direction I want to take it. And that's a little more entailed. It's definitely in my wheelhouse, but. I'm taking my time with it. I don't want to rush. I'm kind of still trying to reformat fresh aesthetic. Like that website is due to be redone. The whole look changed. So I'm working on that too. Yeah. I feel like it's always an evolved and evolving process where you're like, uh, let's see if this works. And then you go through those steps. And you're like, I didn't like all of it, but I liked these pieces. All right, let's try again. Um, exactly right it's always about refinement and changing it and growing yeah and you also kind of want to because you know people get tired of the same old same old so 
depending on your the space you're working in or your audience. Like mine is because it's so visually, you know, my stuff is primarily the visual appeal. So I always have to change things. Like my website now, when I set it up with the idea for it was to present it in a way where you there are no words. Like you have to click on the pictures. Right. And the pictures should be the draw like, like to get you to look at the article. But the more and more I talk to people and search and learn, I'm kind of figuring out, you know, there are ideas to that that are cool. But then you also want to do something different. So, yeah, you're right. So we had kind of talked a little bit earlier today about where I was I was trying to feel out what your art medium was. If mm. if I was absorbing it correctly from the website, that it's kind of more of a, a curation and, and sharing. Um, but you said something interesting, like maybe how there is a lot to do in the creative space aside from just being creative. Um I, th- I think the the fact that you're examining like art and fashion and culture and music, what do you feel like you get out of that emotionally by sharing it? Because it's one thing to kind of like, hey, this is a cool thing I want to share. But what do you get out of it by sharing it? That's a good question. I'll go back in time to when I worked at Cactus Music off of uh, Alabama and Shepherd. Is it still right? there? The old place. No, it moved. It's over off of, uh, it's closer to 59. Okay. It's still around. Like That's It doesn't good. even have the same owner. The guy who was my manager at Cactus owns it now. Okay. So, but, but it's not a video store anymore. It's a record store, but it's really cool that he's been going. Like, it's, it's super awesome when he does that. But when I worked there, I would go into the uh the record store you know work you have to straighten up the shelves and stuff well what lured me in to appreciating music the way i do would be sometimes the artwork would look interesting or i see somebody who was involved with it that i wanted to listen to and sometimes it's the joy in just sharing the appreciation in something like kind of like when you turn your friend on to that album that's awesome and they agree with you that it's so great and you'll have that connection it's kind of like that it's like sharing something important like creative expression even though it and it has grown to have an intrinsic value but it's not one thing it can be a, it can be a lot of different things so in that it's just important to me to highlight share it with other people because expression is unique to the individual but what's also unique is our approach and how we appreciate it so i think that's i just i just feel almost uh obligated to do it because I've been around creators so long I'd be doing myself a disservice to just back away from it completely so I feel like it's my part I can play into helping the creative space prosper yeah I, th- I wonder if I have a more selfish uh <laughs> take on it if I'm being honest where if I interact with someone and they're telling me like oh, I sewed this uh, this top or made this blanket or um, I painted this, you know, whatever whatever thing that they made where I'm like, oh, tell me how you did this because that sounds like something I could do. If you break it down, I want to try it. So I'm like absorbing their <laughs> whatever prowess. That's, that's all part of it, though. Like the learning process from other creators is also part of it, like figuring out somebody's whole thought process and how they make a painting could help another artist to kind of evolve and grow into their process. So you doing that, there's always going to be some selfish, you know, motives to things, but as long as the goal isn't just completely selfish, I think you're all right. Yeah. I, well, I figured because I would get so amped having these conversations that I was like, I can't be the only one just thinking about doing some art process it's, you know, it is contagious. And I feel like that is when it's most productive is, you know, now for the audience, if they are listening to this, they might, hopefully, they'll get something from it to go make some art afterwards. That would be such a dream come true to feel like I'm spreading that to other people. See, it's like your initial motive of like being challenged and wanting to ask questions to build your skill set to do better stuff is also a part of something bigger, which is hoping that it inspires others to be creative. So that's what I'm saying. It's not, it can be both. Most artists do it for selfish reasons, but when you're putting it out there for people to, you know, experience some judge, but mostly just the general experience, it adds an aspect that's not selfish anymore. It's just the nature of art. You can't help it. I don't care how 
money driven a creative is at the end of the day it still lends itself to the people because you're putting it out there for people to interpret and appreciate yeah so i think that's just that's all part of it so i think you're right on with the whole you know wanting your having your own selfish intentions with it but the ultimate goal is something bigger than yourself and that's the best part about being a creative i think yeah i think that's nice how often do you write for your website as of this whole 2020 COVID downward spiral, it's been kind of uh, waning, but I just wrote an article a couple of days ago about like, I think it was called The Art of Mimicry and just talking about how copying has always been part of the creative space, even though originality is really held at a high level. But um, yeah, it was just about how that's becoming the, a way of things. Like people are gonna mimic your stuff and just, but yeah, I write probably about Generally speaking, I write every day. Blogs, I'm trying to do one to two a week of articles for those. Oh, okay. So like a pretty heavy turnaround. Yeah. Is it just you? Uh, I, I thought I right read now, something that you had a, a friend helping on it, but maybe that was old. I think I reposted an article that I got from somewhere else, but most of the articles, like 99% of them are me. Okay. I would like to get more people involved, but you know, it's, it's hard to find people who share the way you want to do things and I don't want to I'm still growing it so until I really get it a focus I think it's important for me to keep it to close to the chest right now yeah yeah for sure um do you play music still I know that you were kind of talking about it not being something that you feel as an adult you know is something you want to put attention into it's kind of like a hobby that i do in my spare time kind of thing it isn't like something that takes up a lot of my time like it used to yeah because like i said if you if you really are pursuing musicianship as a serious path it it's a young man's game you can't be an old guy with a family that's always on the road all the time yeah you know that's a hard thing to do like all the all the demands of it is what i mean it's a young man's game anybody can play music but the demands of being away from your loved ones for a amount of time, having to live in pretty meager means sometimes just to be creative, you know, it's not for everybody. So, yeah. So that's interesting that you think of it as like a, a profession or a means for, you know, a financial gain. Like I need to support my family or to, to really get something out of it. I, I need to go on tour and, and do that. Is there a part of it that could be, be just for you that you just of course of course and that's there's nothing wrong with it just for me i found another outlet Mm. like writing and highlighting other other artists and things that i enjoy and music has taken up the back burner to that yeah but no by all means if you want to do music for music's sake and be happy doing that there's absolutely nothing wrong with it i just think i was at a point with it where it was either going to be all or none I was going to go all in and really try to pursue it seriously or I was just going to back out and do this other stuff. And I chose to back out. Uh, but, but no, there's a lot of people who thrive and are very happy doing music and doing it in a way where it's not driven by having to live off of it or, you know, supporting anyone off of it. It's strictly for the art. And I respect that a lot. And there's it's it's an honorable thing to do. It's just for me, I had to back up for that. Yeah. What did you play? I remember like percussive instruments and, and hand drums. I did that. Then like in Austin, I got really deep into hip hop. So I made beats and, and kind of hit up open mics and did a couple of songs like that. But that was really later. My focus was primarily hip hop. Okay. And I just got to a point with it where I just had so much going on. I had to change focus and change, you know, gears. God, that, yeah, because that is being up in front of people. That's a very, like, interactive crowd. Like, you mm-hmm. do have to dedicate time away from a family to get up on yeah. stage to do open mics. Late nights, all that. And the wife isn't always trying to hear why you came home at 3 in the morning. You know, that could, <laughs> that could, be, that could be problematic. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And, like, your kids, too, because, like, to have to get up when kids want to get up, <sighs> that is very hard. That's a fact. You are very well versed in music and in particular jazz history, as well as art theory. Is this something that you are self-taught in? Is it something that you worked on in your undergrad? No schooling. I'm completely, everything I've learned has been over time 
my own curiosity and just, you know, sometimes the need to do research and, and learn certain things, you have to self-educate. So that's what I've done. I'm still doing it. It's still, there's so much to everything. It's such a, it's, I mean, even in your space of, of like crafts and things like that, that's a huge spectrum of things. So I can only, so you can only imagine what it's like from my space where I'm dealing with any type of creative, like I really want to highlight because I feel like entrepreneurship is a creative yeah, venture. For sure. It takes, it takes a level of, of, uh, of innovative thinking to really push forward in your own business. So it just is a big spectrum. So I'm always learning. The goal is always to be reading up and learning and doing research. Did you, did you go to UT or ACC? I, I nope. swear. Everybody I else did. And I did. I should have in hindsight, I should have went to at least ACC for a little bit transition, but that was not where my mind was at at all. I was living life in the moment, all that stuff. I'm, for some reason, maybe I just, I just hung out with that's everybody. when we were hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I think it's amazing what you absorbed. I just always, music in particular, early on was just like, we would have this unspoken kind of like, I talked to my buddies about it. We had like this almost unspoken uh, competition. It wasn't like anything bad, but we'd always try to find obscure music or different stuff. And then we always brought it to the table. It was like our contribution to help each other learn and grow with our love for music. So we always would be on the hunt for the most obscure shit, the weirdest music. And it was always like kind of fun because we all just brought something. It's like, did you hear about this? No, nah, but I heard about this. And we'd all exchange them, you know, back in the day when you'd record tapes or burn CDs and shit. So, yeah, man, it was just, it was really, that was my school. That was where I learned a lot about music. And then a lot of friends of mine started studying music in school uh -huh. and they would teach me things. So, yeah, like jazz, I learned a lot from a good friend of mine named Joel. I learned a lot from him about jazz. He's he's really uh, learned in that stuff. So I learned yeah. a lot. Oh, that's really sweet. I like that collaborative, collective. That's what it's about. We all connect. We all help each other learn and, and become better. That's really that's the goal, I think, of every creative. Yeah. They want to contribute to society in a way that is positive. Normal. Yeah, totally. You were always fashion conscious when we were friends. And I see that you have a fashion. Really? I thought you dressed real cool, by the way. Thank you. Because I don't I just dress what I felt like wearing at the time. But yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, we were all going to like uh, thrift stores and I still go to thrift stores. Now I do buy nothing groups on Facebook and people are giving away just like, hey, this bag of clothes isn't really my thing anymore. I cleaned out my closet. And so it's free. And I a good idea. I love that. Um, but yeah, I still totally go to thrift stores. I also just have friends that are like hey this is more you than me and mm -hmm. so i think i've probably spent maybe like 20 bucks on clothes in the past two years like I oh just... i'm worse i'm way worse <laughs> but I, I was reading somewhere that clothing is the new waste oh like, sure because of the way it turns over and the way fashion changes and things are sold in such a large scale that eventually like that's kind of why I'm kind of more going into thrift stores again is because they're saying like, that's going to be the future of it. Mm. Resale and bespoke clothing, like going into a thrift store, buying something you think's cute. It's not your fit. So you take it to a tailor and they alter it. Like they're saying that's going to be the future of fashion because it's going to be to the point where we have way too much for even, you know, to, green conscious people, aren't even addressing this, but it's an issue. Like it's an environmental issue. Same thing with like plastic and stuff. It's just an excess. Yeah. So I've, I've been hitting thrift stores a lot with that intention. Like I have a, a couple blogs I follow. Oh my God. What is the name of it? It I'll have to look it up and put it in the chatty crafties blog post for this refashionista.net. She would go to thrift stores with the intention of finding something like kind of ugly and big and just making it into something else completely because she yeah. hated the idea of the waste. <laughs> it's a big thing. It's huge. There's a lot of waste from clothing. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, I have a, a dress form behind me for that specific <laughs> <laughs> reason. So, so I was fashion forward, really? Yes. 
You were. Thank you. I appreciate it. I have some photos. When you um, sent me the photo of us in high school, where I was like super. I think I was at lunch, probably. Gothing out at lunch. Yes. Um, I have a handful of photos from of you, and you did not like having your picture taken at all. And I, I kind of regret it because I wish there was more documentation of like me back in the day or like over time for me to look at but i was not big on pictures at all i have like 20 photos of you 20 i mean probably not that much i i have a lot because i was like no i want to take your picture you're my friend yeah, I, yeah and so like i kind of forced it on you whether or not that is a nice thing to do or not it, i had you good intentions about it, if i remember right yeah <laughs> you always like good intentions. i just i just wanted to have a picture of you so um i have a bunch i'm pretty sure in a photo album i can find so i'm gonna post some that'd be awesome i'd like to see them they're all real sweet you know i, I there was something about like the way that you wore clothes were like the cut was different or, you know, like that they were um, high water intentionally, like with Doc Martens or something where like you didn't look like other people in school. And I was always like, OK, this is someone who is thinking about clothes. And that's why I thought it was interesting. Ironically, I would, though. I'd put thought into like yeah. outfits and things. I knew you did. I knew it. And um that's why I thought it was so cool that on your website you have a fashion tag so that you can like write what you're thinking about for clothes. Correct. Because so. it's still a big part of me. Like I try to, you know, still be very conscious of what I'm wearing and things like that. Like from back in the day to now, I never really liked logos. So I always try to keep it to a minimum. And that's like something still very important to me. So yeah, like that's interesting that you remember that because I didn't expect anybody else to really pay attention to it because I didn't really think anybody thought of it i just would wear it because i like to do it well you also post uh photos of your socks at work too oh of course yes i gotta i gotta <laughs> i feel like that's the thing that not a lot of people are conscious of anymore like little subtle little additions to outfits that are actually really cool and unique like that's kind of coming back but it was fading for a while like that wasn't a thing like little you can have a simple outfit with one little piece that pops and it'll make the whole thing fit yeah so yeah I'm, I'm still in a fashion i guess yeah totally and i could i could tell like from those posts i was like all right this is something that's still important and i mm -hmm. you know i just that's the to thing it's all encompassing creative space yeah. and culture and all that stuff so to me that's why it fit perfect because it, it all it's all relative and it's like an expression of your Correct. personality and just you know it's wearable art Correct. And like political statements of not wearing logos and reusing clothes, you know, you know? I, I was watching, I was watching, I was on Instagram, I think, and they were showing a picture of like girls protesting in like the 50s wearing pants to school. Like, uh -huh. think about that. Like, you were forced to wear a dress. So pants, pants was yeah. a big rebellion. <laughs> like, Absolutely. And so it is important. Like, people don't realize it, but there were things like subtle pieces of fashion that played real big parts in uh, showing your alliance to social conscious things, socially conscious things. You know what I mean? It's, it's all relative. So yeah. Yeah. Or what afros, different things like that. I've been getting to lapel pins lately or like these little enamel pins. Yeah. Those are really cool. I like those. And I also think it's really interesting to kind of bring it back to a political statement that a lot of looks are copied from the black culture and then diluted and spread into white mainstream culture of like, oh, Everything look at what we discovered. Yes. Rock and roll, like the yeah. blues, all of it. Yeah, totally. But that's just because they want to accept it and want to like it, but there's the stigma. So how do you change the stigma? You change the complete marketability of it. You, you homogenize it and turn it into something else. But they're still drawn to the to the raw, pure version of it. Yeah. But because they're scared of what that represents, they change it. So that's why subtle things are important. Like, remember Johnny Cash wore all black and he wore black and people thought it was some morbid thing, but it wasn't. It was a political statement. Right. Little things that people forget, like subtle things you can do that speak volumes if people take the time to ask. Yeah. What is your day job? I don't even know. <laughs> I work in logistics. I work... Uh, 
I'm working the import side for a steamship line. Oh. Um, meticulous spreadsheets, <laughs> emails. Does this fill yeah. your emotional cup and your creative cup? Uh, no. <laughs> the creative <laughs> cup, I'm steady trying to fill. The emotional cup, definitely not. Uh, it's a good job, and I work it to the best of my abilities, but it fills no voids aside from financial. <laughs> How did you get into it? How did you find this job? Well, not this job, but I got into the industry, ironically, shortly after I moved from Austin. And I was oh. in between jobs, and I needed to find a spot. And a friend of mine uh, put me on to a job working for another steamship line. And it was a good job. It was relatively easy. I'm pretty good with talking to people. So that was, it was really heavy, like communication related at first. So I've always been good with my words and stuff. So it was easy and I did, and it's just come easy. Like it's, I don't know, you know how you get caught in some jobs where it's just the pay is good, it's stable. So you stick it out and I've bounced around to other things, but I always come back to this. So I think I'm gonna stick in this industry until I can, make a generous income off my writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. What happened to me is I um, was about to get, no, I think I graduated and it was in poetry. And I was like, what am I going to do with poetry to actually have a, li- why did I do this? That right now, like, be careful of what your major is because it can dictate your financial status in life. Like, you spent all this money on school. Yeah. And if you didn't go for the right degree, you don't have any use for it. So you spend all that money for nothing. Do you critique yourself in the moment or much later? Or do you like critiques? I like, I'm my own worst critic. So I'm always critiquing everything I do. Like, I'm going to listen to this podcast and critique myself. But that's just how it goes. But um, yeah, I critique myself during after before but really i I like and it's hard to get and expect to be honest but i like getting constructive criticism because when i'm trying to reach an audience that's the most important thing is learning from the people listening so that's really something that i would like to get more but it's very important to me and i'm not one of those people that gets upset if it's not something i want to hear yeah there's some people who take it really personal i'm not like that yeah i want to hear it all it does seem like you are uh, really open to even like things you post on Facebook, be they political or I mean, everything is political on Facebook right now. It's just like everything is triggering. Um, and you seem so like even keeled when people comment something like aggressive or like a a dissenting opinion you're kind of like well i take what you're saying and i hear this point and that's a good point and i don't want to go back and forth like what's the point of going back and forth so instead of us just doing that my voice is louder whatever i got the biggest pair of pants whatever you're gonna do like nah let's communicate you say your view i say my view we agree to disagree move on or maybe we have a common ground like that's how change is going to happen. It's yeah. not going to happen by saying, yo, I'm, I know the better shit. No, you don't. Nobody knows everything. It's impossible. So just, you know, take it all with a grain of salt. Learn from it. Yeah. Well, I, I've been I've impressed by your reactions to people. I would have been like, block. <laughs> like, you drive me crazy. <laughs> I got a friend right now. I seriously, up until he's been kind of quiet lately, but I've debated unfriending him a few times matter of fact i did unfriend him and then i added him back <laughs> i i think i probably know who you're talking about i don't know this person in real life yeah. but like i watch him comment on stuff where i'm like he is just not being a good friend i don't care if he disagrees he is like harassing you he doesn't you know some people do it to get a reaction so now my reaction instead of doing the back and forth i just use it like a teachable moment i just give him some shit to do your own research i don't time to go back and forth with you yeah. You're obviously not hearing me to begin with. So that's where you get just trying to just you take this piece of information and do with it what you want. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only thing you can do. But he's a good guy. He's actually a talented artist, but a good guy. I may not agree with his views altogether, but he's a genuine person who means well. And in that I can find redeemable qualities. Yeah. Do you have any shameless self-promotion you'd like to get out right now? Um, I would 
love for everyone to check out uh, the two platforms I'm the most active on, um, which is www.freshaesthetic23.com. For, you know, spell it out, look up the words. <laughs> Fresh <Aesthetic 23. laughs> um, it's all Fresh Aesthetic 23 everywhere, except I think Twitter, but Instagram, it's at Fresh Aesthetic 23. Um, the goal is always to post content that can be appreciated and, and you know, hopefully find the joy and, and the beauty in it like I did. And that's ultimately the goal. So always, you know, Fresh Aesthetic, the website and the Instagram are the two places to, I think, get the most uh, the most out of what we do. Okay. And I will put links to the Instagram uh, Facebook website and your Twitter. I will put that on awesome. on the blog post so it's easy to find. Um, okay, the last question: If you were to give yourself a title for your creative identity, what would your title be? Um, it's something I've had for a long time. I don't even stay in the inner city anymore, but it'd be inner city dreamer because I've always been in wanting to be in the city. I've always found my most biggest inspiration from there and from a young age I've been a dreamer so yeah it's relative the inner city dreamer would be the title that I definitely use excellent it's perfect um well thank you Kendall thank you it's always a pleasure I'm happy we got to do this it was great talking me to you. too it's so wonderful and thanks to our listeners we hope you'll stay tuned for more episodes of chatty crafties Go to chattycrafties.com for a blog post with photos, social media, links, and more. I'm at chattycrafties on social if you're looking for more between episodes. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Angelica Norton. The intro and outro music was by Berm and Swale. Please support Chatty Crafties by rating and reviewing at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you've gone to Fresh Aesthetic and found some inspiring artists, It's time to fill your cup and go make some art.